Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus, and a welcome to each one. Good to see you all here. Trust you came with a heart to uh, be inspired in the things of God. I uh, couldn't help but let my mind just go a little on that uh, picture that uh, Tim gave us in that uh, letter. This poor woman who, uh, because of where she was born, largely, and the environment she grew up in and spent her life in, she finds herself in the dilemma that Tim described to us. Very, uh, very uneducated, very little understanding about anything, probably. Uh, what little she has is what little they've figured out in their uh, very uh, warped, sin-warped minds. And there she is, a slave to the devil. Literally. Not just pretending, but literally a slave to the devil. And his wicked spirits are harassing her and tormenting her. And she's not, she doesn't even have enough of an understanding of anything to even know what's going on, much less what to do about it. And there's hardly anybody around that has enough of understanding about what's going on and what to do about it, to help the poor woman. This is a real situation. This is a real person somewhere. A person who is just as real as you and I are. Just as real. Has a soul just like you and I do. And this is where she finds herself. And then my mind had to go. I couldn't help but think. How can it be that in many of America's churches, even in our conservative churches, where we have been taught the Word of God, we've been taught about God, We've been taught about the devil and his tactics. We've been brought up in the fear of God. And then we would turn to the things of the kingdom of darkness. The music, for example. The music of the kingdom of, the, of darkness. That same kingdom that has those that dear African woman so bound up and who are possessing her body and are harassing her and that same kingdom and their music and their lusts and all the stuff that is being propagated in our world today. Someone who has been brought up in the fear of God would so lightly regard that upbringing that teaching, that admonition, 
that guidance and begin to feed on that stuff that has bound this woman in Africa. How can this be? But it is. It is. It happens. And it probably happens repeatedly. And we think, how can this be? How can... You know, I don't know how can that be. I'm not sure why that happens. I don't have the answer to that. I'm not sure if there is an answer to that. I simply say all that to just kind of jar our minds a little. You know, we are blessed. We have so much. When we compare the opportunities that we have been given compared to that dear woman there in that remote village of Tanzania. The understanding, the education, first of all. Children, do you like school? You like school, right? (laughs) I know you're all tempted sometimes to grumble about school, but think about it. You are privileged to be able to learn, to have your mind develop with understanding on a multitude of subjects. Simple math facts and, and language and reading. You are blessed when you think about this dear woman in Tanzania who has never had that opportunity. You get to sit in church for a couple hours every Sunday morning and hear about God. Do you ever complain about that? you ever get tired of that? seat gets hard. <laughs> We've got such good seats here. But think about it. It's a privilege that not everyone has. That not everyone has. Do you have parents who... Teach you the Word of God. Teach you about God. Guide your life. Tell you some things that you may do and may not do. Maybe you're tempted to, just let me go. I want to think about it. You are privileged to have a parent who has some understanding about truth and about God and has a desire to guide you in that. Even if he doesn't do everything right. You are privileged. Your daddy didn't sell your soul to the devil. You're privileged. You know, I don't know what to say next. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. Brother Myron was using the word amazing quite a bit this morning. Just stop and think how privileged you are in your life when you compare to that dear woman in Tanzania. The stack of blessings just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I guess, you know, may that just uh, jar our hearts a bit. It is only by the grace of God and the mercy of God that we have had, may I say, a much better opportunity in life than that woman has had. 
It's not because we are anyone special that we have had much a better opportunity. We're not. It's just the mercy of God. And how, you know, somewhere along life's journey, people feared God and we are the recipients of that fear today. And we have been blessed because of it. And somewhere along the way, her ancestors decided, you know, lost their way with God. And if they've ever had it, I don't know. But the gospel really did go out to the ends of the earth, as I understand it, for the most part, back in the early church day. But somewhere along the way, you know, decisions were made and and people uh, chose to worship uh, all sorts of uh, spirits and things and here it is. Here is this woman today. So, may we again just uh, realize the blessing. The blessing that is ours. And uh, may it just again, you know, it should really sharpen that in our minds. This is drastic contrast between these two kingdoms the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light and that there are two very distinct different kingdoms and people need to give their allegiance to one or the other and uh, it is so sad when uh, Professed Christendom kind of wants to straddle the middle of the fence between the two kingdoms. How sad. If anything, I hope a picture like that of that woman would just sharpen in our minds that drastic contrast between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of darkness and put in us a holy, vehement, Desire to have no parts of the kingdom of darkness. But to sell out to the kingdom of Christ. The Lord of glory. And anything that smells like, looks like, tastes like that kingdom of darkness, we would shun. Because the end of the kingdom of darkness is just what you see in that woman. Such a miserable existence being tormented by evil spirits daily. So may God, may God just touch our hearts that little note from Tanzania and uh, refresh our commitment to be sold out to Christ and, and to realize the desperate need. You know, maybe it would be good for us to put ourselves in their shoes a bit. How would you feel if you were that woman? If you were the one who is living in her existence right now, being tormented by the devils that are tormenting her right now, how would you feel if you knew you could for just a moment 
have enough of intellectual understanding and have the opportunity to glance into a church over in America and see these people so joyfully and happily and freely worshiping God. How would it make you feel? If none of them would be willing to come and help you out of your dilemma. Think about it. <clears throat> so much work to be done. May we, may we uh, allow our hearts to be refreshed in the burden of the lost and the needs of the lost. Amen. Well, <clears throat> seems like I should just keep going on that a while, maybe. But it wasn't necessarily what I was planning to speak on. But it just uh, just one of those things that kind of touched my heart, and probably has more value than a several-hour prepared sermon, no doubt. <clears throat> But I do want to encourage us, let's allow God to just work in our hearts as we uh, realize and understand how drastically different things are for someone like that woman. Seems almost unfair, doesn't it? You know, here we are, so blessed, so much going for us. There's that woman, and she's one of many. She's one of many who have not understood anything hardly about the ways of God and find themselves sold to the devil and find themselves the victims of abuse, spiritual abuse, demonic abuse, and no, not, uh, no, 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 no way of uh, freedom. <clears throat> All right, we will turn our attention to the Word of God here. Oh, maybe we could just, uh, uh, let's stand together for a moment and pray, if you're able. Father, we do quiet our hearts before you. In this moment. Our hearts are sobered as we have considered the need that uh, Tim, Brother Tim, has made us aware of again, refreshed our hearts and minds. And Father, I do pray that um, that it wouldn't just be like water off of a duck's back, not penetrate, but that it would indeed penetrate our very being, that we could get a fresh burden for the needs of our world. Father, we do pray it doesn't, it doesn't seem fair. We realize that and we know that life isn't fair, but we do pray that somehow the message of hope, the message of Christ, the message of freedom, the message of deliverance, could reach these souls that are so bound up and that have so little understanding of where the answer 
to freedom is. Father, this morning, as we are here, we are gathered in your presence, in your name, and uh, we realize we are blessed when we again have the opportunity to open up the Word of God. I do pray this morning that uh, you would guide the remainder of this service. You would uh, guide my thoughts, guide the things that I have considered to share here this morning. Lord, meet each of our needs here today. You know and understand where each of us find ourselves in our journey. And I do pray, God, be with us. Meet our needs. Lead us in the way of truth. God, inspire our hearts in righteousness and in holiness. We commit this time to you. In the precious name of Jesus, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to uh, just uh, bounce off of the last message that I shared here uh, to continue our thoughts. The, uh, if you recall... The last message that I shared, I spoke a bit about uh, Moses and uh, how his choices reflected his values and uh, how there in Hebrews that uh, Moses, it tells us that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season. He, uh, he made some deliberate choices in his life. He had opportunities to go either way, and he made specific choices on his, on the direction of his life. We'd like to continue to think about choices a bit. Uh, I'd like to discuss the subject or just encourage us to choose life. Title today is Choose Life. In Jeremiah 21, verse 8, Jeremiah says to the people in his day, God rather says it through Jeremiah, says, And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. You know, that is, uh, that was actually, uh, in that particular situation, it was actually, uh, uh, a natural uh, way. It was he gave them two ways, and one of them was to turn themselves over to the uh, their their enemies who were coming to fight and uh, live, and the other was to fight against them and die. So in that particular situation, he was uh, he had uh, it was a, a literal a life or death situation. You know, in uh, in our lives and in the spiritual sense, it is that way. Uh, even still, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verse fifteen and sixteen, God says this to the children of Israel: "See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord, love love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways." and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, 
that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord shall bless thee in the land whithersoever thou goest. And then in verse 19 of the same chapter, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Beautiful words. Choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. You know, we... It is no different today, is it? You know, uh, we also have to choose. We have to choose whether to love and to serve God or whether to choose to love and serve ourselves or the world or whatever. We do have to choose. We, we are, we're given a choice. Uh, no, uh, uh, God doesn't force people. God never did force people. He makes the way clear. He, he gives the instruction. He gives the direction. He, he uh, uh, tries to help us understand the, the two ways. And, and we have to choose. Which way are we going to walk? Are we going to walk in obedience to God? Or are we going to walk the way we want to walk? Are we going to submit ourselves to God and His will? Or are we going to walk in our will? Is really what it boils down to in our situation. Which will I choose? Which way, which do I want? <clears throat> Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> I'd like to draw some thoughts out of here. Regarding choosing life. Not going to spend any time thinking about uh, the choice of, uh, of death, as it says here. Uh, I set before you life and death. Uh, we're going to focus on choosing life. You know, what, uh, what does it mean to choose life? What does it, uh, how will that uh, affect my life? What, uh, what does it look like if I as a person choose life? What does it look like? <clears throat> Maybe First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14 to 24 can give us some insight into that. Beginning in verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who, that calleth you, who also will do it. <clears throat> all right, as we think about choosing life, now I realize... That, uh, you know, the last message we talked a bit about that, uh, uh, 
that one major choice that we all have to make, you know, where we decide whether we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we're going to surrender our life to Christ, whether we're going to make him Lord of our lives, uh, like Moses, we have to decide who are we going to serve. And uh, this message today goes uh, is kind of uh, assuming that that decision has already been made. You know, these scriptures, that these instructions that we've gotten here in verse 14 through verse 23 are not written to unbelievers to try to bring them to Christ. They're written to believers to guide them in the way. The, uh, uh, when Paul writes this letter, he begins it in verse 1 of chapter 1 by saying this. Uh, let's see here. He says... Uh, to the uh, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he clearly states who he's writing to. We don't have to question that a bit. He's writing to believers, and what he's the exhortations that he gives and the uh, uh, reproofs or corrections or whatever you want to call it, they're given to believers. Uh, they're given to those who have already made the decision to follow Jesus. They've already made the decision they want Christ to be Lord of their lives. And then he gives them some uh, uh, kind of down-to-earth instructions. And so, the choice, the matter of choosing life is maybe not always a once-and-done deal. Now, like I said, I realize, uh, we do need to make that one and most important cho- uh, uh, choice in life to follow Christ. That we, we will have Him be Lord of our lives. But as we know and understand life, there are many decisions of choosing life that follow that initial decision. And there are many opportunities where uh, we come up against uh, situations where we have to choose. Which way are we going here? And hopefully... That one major pivotal point in our life is always a reference point that helps us make the right choice as we face future uh, choices. Uh, It should be. It should always be there as that pivotal point that helps us in future choices. Today we'd like to look at uh, just a few thoughts regarding uh, continuing choices in our lives and uh, choosing life. Choosing that which really is, uh, which really matters, which really is important. I'm going to uh, going to take these verses here and uh, uh, kind of put things together in four different categories uh, that we will consider. the uh, The first one, the first category in choosing life is. Choosing to care about others. And we find that right here in verse 14, where the scripture says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. I've summed up all those uh, 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 little uh, admonitions there in one little term, and that is choose to care about others. The... uh, and we'll just take a little uh, time to look at these few different comments. But uh, he talks about uh, warning the unruly. Uh, the unruly, the there's uh, 
definition of unruly is uh, disorderly or out of ranks, like uh, a soldier. You know, soldiers are supposed to march in rank. And an unruly one is one who steps out of his rank. He decides to do it different than all the rest, maybe. <laughs> he decides that he has a better way. Uh, and so, and that's, you know, when you, when you uh, think about the basic teachings of the faith, and Brother Myron was teaching us this morning about Christ. Let's say, for example, uh, somebody decided to uh, believe and teach and influence around here that uh, Jesus wasn't actually God. He was just uh, a good man who lived a good life, and, and yeah, his life had some merit, but he wasn't actually God. Well, somebody has stepped out of rank. They're unruly. Uh, they need a warning. They need an admonition. Uh, maybe we don't always uh, consider giving a warning or an admonition or a correction or a reproof as caring about someone else. But if your house was burning and I drove by and I knew you were in there sleeping and I didn't stop to uh, uh, wake you up and to get you out of there, I just ignored it. That's not caring about you, is it? But if I stop and beat on your door and you're in there sleeping, you say, ah, what are you doing? Let me sleep. Well, lady, your house is burning. <laughs> if I really care, I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get you out of there, right? So, think about it. If someone is, uh, you know, they've embraced a belief that isn't true. They are, uh, they've, uh, uh, maybe they've decided that, um, uh, Sensual country music isn't going to affect me in a bad way. I can listen to it. Okay? Uh, all right. So is that all right? Or is that unruly? Is that stepping out of ranks of the true believer? And should we care enough about that person to come alongside of them and say, you know, initially you might feel like this doesn't affect you in a bad way, but you keep listening and feeding on that, it's going to change you. You're going to start to think in a... in a uh, uh, Your brain and mind is going to start to function in a sensual manner just like the stuff that you're listening to. So caring about someone or, or warning someone is caring about them. Warn the unruly. The thought is not about setting someone straight, you know, or viewing them critically, but rather caring, understanding the danger, understanding the effect of, 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 of uh, you know, wherever they have deviated and stepped out of ranks, understanding the uh, lifelong effect that it will have on them and being able to draw them back into the right way. <clears throat> Comforting the feeble-minded. Caring about others. Comforting the feeble-minded. You know, uh, the idea is faint-hearted. You know, life at times brings situations we weren't quite expecting, right? You know, there's times when life, uh, we say it this way sometimes, it throws us a curve. It was something we weren't quite ready for. And sometimes... You know, we reel under that thing a bit. You know, it's, we might even become faint-hearted. You know, we might 
whew, I wasn't expecting this kind of thing in my life. Comfort the faint-hearted. You know, there's a time and a place where people need to com- be comforted, depending on the situations and the, and the, uh, what has uh, transpired in their life, to comfort and encourage them. They're losing heart. They're losing strength. They're losing purpose. They're, uh, they're uh, maybe like David. They're beginning to wonder, or, or maybe not David, but the psalm writer there, where he begins to wonder if it's worth his effort. Psalm 37, I referred to that the other message. They might be in that situation where they're wondering if it's worth their effort. And they need somebody to come along and comfort them, encourage them. Find a way to express comfort and hope to such a person. It says, support the weak. How does that differ from faint-hearted? I think of it a little more this way. I think of the, the, the faint-hearted as someone who maybe normally would be strong, but life has dealt them a blow. And they're reeling under it. And they're trying to find their way. Uh, they're trying to come to grips with it. Where the weak might be someone who's just naturally or whatever tends to be struggling more overall. You know, have a more of a difficult time in, in keeping their... A heart encouraged in the Lord. Have more of a difficult time in, in having a faith-filled outlook. Maybe weaken the faith. <clears throat> Support them. You know, a church body is made up of all sorts of different people, isn't it? There's those that seem to always be strong, always be on top of things, always be upbeat. Then there's those who are maybe somewhere in the middle. Some, And then there's those who may have more of a difficulty keeping their hearts encouraged in the Lord and and we that are strong ought to bear the infirmity of the weak. Choose life. Choose to care about others. Choose to look outward and to focus uh, on the needs of those around you and to care and to minister and to encourage. You know, maybe the one who is weak can barely support his own weight. You know, Barely float his own ship. And he's someone to come alongside and encourage him and help him along. <clears throat> says to be patient toward all men. You know, the uh, I don't believe that would mean to ignore real issues. You know, being patient with all men. Uh, I don't think there's any room to be patient with, uh, with uh, someone who is promoting uh, an alternate lifestyle, for example. There's no room for patience when issues like that would arise. There's only room for facing it with the word of God and truth. But in brotherhood life, where there is a weaker brother, or there is someone who is struggling, or we've had to give an admonition to someone, we saw there was a need, someone was stepping out of ranks, Give that encouragement. Give that exhortation. Give that uh, admonition. Give that comfort. Give that support. And then be patient. You might not see the fruit you wanted to see the first day or the second day or the first week or the first month. But be patient. Give the necessary encouragement. Give the necessary advice. And be patient then. And uh, support and encourage. 
The focus in choosing life is choosing to care about others. Jesus said it this way, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. I told, uh, some of you were there yesterday at the wedding, and I told uh, Josh and Caitlin that uh, if they will give themselves to ministering to the other, they will find that they'll be ministered unto. But if they'll focus on being ministered unto, all of a sudden, it'll disappear. And so that's the idea. It's a kingdom principle that as we turn our hearts toward others and seek opportunities to to contribute into the lives of others, all of a sudden, it just kind of rolls back on us. And we find ourselves ministered to and encouraged and, and whatnot. It's choosing life. It's choosing God's way. It's choosing to approach it from God's perspective. It's choosing a kingdom perspective. <clears throat> you know, for different people, this will look different. This very truth will look different for different people. Based on our personalities, it's going to work itself out in different ways. And so we're not, try, you know, we're not trying to copy someone else. We're not trying to all be doing the same thing. Because that's why we have different gifts. Because we, we, there's different needs and there's different opportunities. And we don't want to all be trying to do the same thing in the same way. But when you focus on... Uh, uh, others and on meeting the needs of others and ministering to others, that's going to have a unique uh, working out in your life based on who you are. And someone else is going to be focusing on the same principle and it's going to look different in how it works itself out in their life based on who they are. <clears throat> I know years ago there was that... Uh, little poem or something that was around. I think I had even memorized it at one time, but it went something like this. Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer may be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, that while I've lived for others... I may have lived like thee. That's as much as I remember. Maybe it is all of it. Maybe there's more to it. Somebody might know more of it. But uh, it's a a beautiful uh, little uh, exhortation. You know, it's true. This matter of uh, Jesus there, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake in the gospel shall save it, shall find it different Gospels and different places it says it a little different but uh, the idea is that if we give it away it'll come back to us if we try to seize it it'll disappear on us and uh, so and it's true it's true in in family settings it's you know it's true in the husband wife relationship it's true in church relationships it's true in our work relationships it's true on every front that as we serve as we give We are blessed in return. All right, so choosing life is, first of all, choosing to care about others. Secondly, choosing life is choosing to overcome evil with good. Fairly uh, 
simple uh, command or instruction here in verse 15 of our text. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Now, there's several other uh, scriptures that give us uh, uh, even more to that idea. Maybe the first one we could look at is 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. Peter has something to say about it. Verse 9 to 12, Peter says, Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That scripture lays that whole truth open very, very well. Not rendering evil for evil, but contrariwise, blessing knowing that we are called to that and that we might inherit a blessing. Uh, yeah, let's uh, also look at Romans 12. Gives uh, similar ideas, similar thoughts. Romans 12, verse uh, 14, and then also verse 17 to 21. Romans 12, verse 14, blesses. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. And then verse 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. <clears throat> and so, in choosing life, one of the choices is to choose to uh, overcome evil with good. Uh, you know, it's likely that somewhere in life we'll have opportunity to exercise this. And you probably have had already. Uh, maybe not in big ways where we uh, maybe don't face the uh, um, difficulties that some face in some countries where, you know, there's wars and people come in and destroy their uh, homes and ransack their homes and take everything that's valuable and even kill and all those kind of things, we, uh, we've been spared those kind of things, and yet, uh, in our own ways, I'm sure we face, uh, you know, things where there's evil. You know, there's, uh, uh, there's, uh, what was the word there in uh, not rendering? Let me see, I go back to First Thessalonians, I'd like to get that word. Uh, yeah, not rendering evil for evil unto any man. Uh, but contrarywise blessing as Peter says it. You know, 
choosing to overcome evil with good is choosing life. And there is a blessing in it. Just like Peter said, uh, there, uh, you're there unto your called that you might inherit a blessing. Uh, we are called as a people of God uh, to choose uh, to, uh, to not render evil for evil, not render a railing for a railing, but contrarywise blessing those. Blessing those that curse us. Blessing those that uh, use us despitefully. Uh, and that was actually a teaching of Christ in Matthew uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Peter says that you might inherit a blessing. There is, uh, there's freedom for us when we can overcome evil with good. There's freedom in that. When we can come to that place where we can overcome evil with good. I think of... Uh, well, here's another scripture first. Hebrews 10 verse 34 says that ye had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So they, uh, they obviously were, uh, the Hebrews were uh, facing some uh, of that type of thing. Their goods were spoiled and they took it joyfully, knowing that in heaven, they had a more enduring substance, something that couldn't be destroyed. And uh, they're commended for that. I think of, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm currently reading a book called Miss Nancy, and some of you probably have read that. She was a missionary in Belize for many years. And in one occasion, uh, thinking it, it was one of the people that she was working with, she uh, uh Miss Nancy was a missionary and she was in an intense situation and she, you know, mission, mission life is full and intense and her therapy was her flowers around her house and etc. Her, her compound, her house. She loved her flowers and that was where she'd go to unwind, you know, from the pressures of ministry and all that. And one day, uh, some girl was offended by something and uh, came in and destroyed all her flowers tore them up and tore them out and tore the rose bushes out and everything just and uh, someone uh, the the book uh, opens that uh, chapter with uh, uh, someone uh, coming upon Miss Nancy when she discovers what happened and she's uh, she's out there in uh, observing what uh, what has been done and she's saying praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord and the person comes and says oh What's going on? She said, well, I, 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 uh, I always praise the Lord ten times before I do anything else when, <laughs> when something uh, uh, comes up like this. And anyhow, in the, in the course of things, she, uh, this, this person who had done all the destruction, uh, you know, she, she, had hit, she, had, she had been effective. She had hit the thing that was important to Nancy. Uh, but Nancy, in return... Uh, this person was going to have a birthday, and so she uh, made a birthday cake and and took some of the flowers that had been torn up and put them together in a vase and and took a cake and uh, a vase of flowers and went and gave them to the person who had uh, destroyed them in the first place. And it it worked, you know. It it uh, won the heart, uh, broke down the uh, the angry heart, and uh, eventually brought the person to the Lord and. You know, the stories aren't always that good. You know, it doesn't always come out that way. You know, we don't always see the end in that way. 
That doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't change how God would want us to respond. You know, we're not responsible for the outcome, and I think that's going to come up a little later in the message, but we'll just give it right here some. We're not responsible for the outcome. We're responsible to, to choose life, to choose to, to uh, overcome evil with good, to choose God's way, to choose to respond God's way. That's what we're responsible for. The outcome makes no difference. doesn't matter to us. Uh, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is choosing God's way <clears throat> and choosing life, choosing to overcome evil with good. All right, let's move along here. Back to First uh, Thessalonians again. The next point I'd like to consider is uh, kind of wrapped up in the next uh, four verses or so. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. I've drawn those uh, thoughts all together in this. Choosing... To trust God above all else. You know, these, these uh, verses here, uh, they give us the, the, the thought of rejoicing. They give us the thought of praying. They give us the thought of giving thanks. They give us the thought of heeding the Spirit. And we have similar verses in uh, Philippians. Uh, just back a few pages. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7, it gives us kind of the same rundown. Rejoice in the Lord evermore. Or, or re- rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So there we have... Uh, the, the very same idea, basically the same rundown of thought. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we have rejoice, pray, thanksgiving, uh, and peace comes up then. And we actually have that here in, uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians as well. If we, re, if we just jump down to verse 23 and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. The subject of peace comes up there also. So, trusting, choosing life is choosing to trust God above all else. You know, when, or, or what does, let me say it this way, what does trusting God look like in real life experiences? What does it look like? <clears throat> you know, trusting God Is, yeah, let me say this. Trusting God is not revelant in things and experiences that are within our control. Trusting God is not revelant in things and experiences that are within our control. But trusting God does become revelant when circumstances, experience, and things, or whatever you want to title it, goes beyond our control. That's really where trusting God only begins. And I realize the line between that isn't that clear at times. But it's good to think about it that way. You know, 
And I, I, I'm sure we've all been in places that life has thrown us uh, uh, situations that were beyond our control. It, it, it is that way. But, you know, there's probably those things in our mind that we can easily remember where something transpired and it just simply was totally beyond our control. And that's where trusting God really does come in. Um, it, can be, uh, it can be in big things. It can be in little things. Uh, we'll just think about what, uh, what uh, some of those things might be. You know, I think about, uh, when I think about trusting God and things beyond our control, I think about the uh, family that lived in Berks County years and years ago. Brother Dave mentioned it in his uh, uh, teaching here on Anabaptist history. And I don't remember their names. Dave would tell us if I'd give him a chance. But you remember the story. They lived in Berks County uh, way, way back in the days of the Indians. And uh, one evening or one day, they heard some noise and they discovered their house was, you know, there was Indians out there. And uh, the boys, who were sharpshooters, were begging the dad, let us let us take care of this matter. Let us fire the shots. Let us take down the guns. Let us shoot. And dad refused to let the boys shoot. He refused. He instructed them that is not the way God's people respond to, uh, to adversity, to uh, evil. And I forget exactly. It was a, maybe, maybe there was a, 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 an arrow shot at their door. I forget how it all was. But nonetheless... They were experiencing a situation that was beyond their control. Even though the boys wanted to take control. But the dad chose to trust God above all else. Now the outcome is not necessarily that pleasant. God didn't just spare them all. The Indians eventually set a fire to the house and they all stayed in the basement and, and uh, were able to survive the fire, actually. And uh, toward morning, when they thought the Indians had all left, they got themselves out of the basement and one Indian had not been out of eyesight yet. <clears throat> and he hooped and all the rest of them came back and killed some of them and took the rest hostage. You know, the outcome really doesn't matter. I say that not lightly. But they, the father was still right in choosing to trust God above all else, even though the outcome was not that pleasant. He still made the right choice. Are you convinced of that? Choosing to go God's way and do, to, to, to respond to life according to the will of God is always right, irregardless of the outcome. We cannot control the outcome. We never will be able to. We can only control our response. Our, how, what will we do? Choosing to trust God above all else. You know, the Bible tells us, we were at a wedding yesterday, Brother Roy exhorted us how husbands take leadership and how the wives to submit. You know, there have been people who have loved a wife, there have been people who have loved a husband their whole life long, 
And that husband never responded in the grace of God. That husband beat him. That husband was ugly to him. That husband was a nasty guy to live with. That wife was a nasty woman to live with. And they loved him. They obeyed the word of God. They did what God instructed them to do. And they never saw the fruit of that. And some do. But some don't. The bottom line, you know, again, back to the idea. It's not... uh, the, the, The outcome... We are instructed on how to respond. How to love. How to cherish. How to reverence. How to submit to. We have... God's instruction to us, but we do not have the ability to control the outcome. And the outcome actually doesn't matter. And obviously, I say that a little carefully because it does matter. It does matter, doesn't it? We're real people. It does matter. And yet, it doesn't matter. Because we, when we obey God, and we do His will. We choose life. We choose to do things God's way. We're not responsible for the outcome. Let me say it that way. We're not responsible for the outcome. We're not responsible if the outcome isn't good at all. As long as we have done what God has instructed us to do. You know, the same is true for uh, uh, children. You know, we, we bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think any of, any of us would acknowledge right off that we're not perfect parents. None of us are. But we have the Word of God and we endeavor to follow the Word of God. We endeavor to live for God and to bring up our children in that same fear of the God. Many a child choose the fear of God and praise God for that, but some don't. It happens. Where a child chooses to turn away from that which they've been taught and instructed in. We don't always understand why those things happened. In fact, we probably rarely do. And yet, we have to be assured in our hearts that if we have trusted God, we have uh, endeavored to bring up our children in the fear of God, then we, you know, we're not per se responsible for the outcome of having done, followed God's will, followed God's way, and having done our best to uh, be in the middle of God's will. Choose life. You know, we can uh, put all the uh, energies and efforts into preparing a a good message, for example. And, uh, you know, we can present a message. We can present a truth from the Word of God. But we're not responsible to determine that outcome. We're not responsible for that. We're responsible to... uh, to uh, choose to trust God regarding that outcome, whatever the outcome is. <clears throat> so we have these uh, several phrases here. Rejoice. Rejoice in who God is, what He means to you, what He means to you personally. Pray, casting your cares upon Him, knowing that He cares for you. Give thanks even when you don't understand life's situations always, and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, choosing to trust God above all else. Choosing to trust God even 
when we don't when it don't make sense and uh, Abraham would be an example of that when he took his son to put him on the uh, offer him as a sacrifice he chose to trust God above all else and I'm sure that well it seems like he figured that God would raise him up is what it seems like but uh, I'm sure his mind wrestled with that <clears throat> keep moving here all right let's uh let's look at uh, at the next uh, several verses here uh verse uh, 20 despise not prophesying prove all things hold fast that which is good abstain from all appearance of evil and the very god of peace sanctify you wholly uh I'd like to uh, encourage us in choosing life to choose that which has eternal value. Eternal value. <clears throat> you know, uh, this little phrase, despise not prophesying. You know, uh, prophesying, prophecies, uh, you know, exhortations, whatever you want to call it, generally will remind us of the, the, the things that really matter. You know, that's what prophesying is all about. You know, we get up here. We speak out in the name of the Lord concerning the things that really matter. Despise not prophesying. Despise not when those things are given to you. (laughs) Don't despise when the truth of God and, and how things really are with God and in serving God, when those things are opened up before your heart. Don't despise it. Choose rather uh, to uh, choose that which has, has eternal value and, uh, Generally, the things of, of uh, uh, the prophesying in the, in the name of the Lord is, is intended to turn us to God. You know, we live in a world that uh, offers us many things to pursue, many things to value, many things to become entangled in. This scripture encourages us and exhorts us to prove all things, hold fast that which is good, and abstain the evil. That's a lifelong uh, challenge, isn't it? You know, we are exhorted to prove all things, to test. Uh, that word prove, it means to test. Uh, to test our pursuits, to test our loves, you know, to test our, uh, uh, that which is close to us, uh, that which is becoming a part of us uh, as we relate to this world. Because it has a lot that it's uh, throwing at us. John in First John tells us to not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Jesus in John 17, as he is praying, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, we are in the world, but we are not of the world, Jesus said. And I suspect that there is some responsibility on our part to make sure that that's true. That we are not of the world as we live in the world. Now the question could be asked, what sets us apart? You know, or should we be set apart? And if so, how should we be set apart? You know, the uh, in general, what governs this world is the temporal. That's the general uh, 
like uh, John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. And basically that sums up all the temporal. That which is for now, for the present, for a short time. Uh, Moses looked at the temporal, the pleasures of Egypt, uh, the pleasures of sin, and the, and, and the, uh, and he, he looked at that, that was temporal. That's short lived. It has its glitz and its glamour for a moment, and then it's gone. And then he looked at the eternal. And that's what we see here. The, uh, the Christian, the world in general, its basic thrust, its basic motivation, its basic uh, drive is the present, the temporal, that which is for the now. The Christian, on the other hand, is not driven by those values. He is driven by the eternal. The things that will stand, uh, the things that will outlive the world. Myron said it's going to be destroyed. Uh, Jesus comes again. The Christian has his, he, the Christian understands the difference between the, uh, the uh, temporal and the eternal. He discerns that difference. And he, uh, he proves, as that scripture says, he uh, prove all things, determine, uh, uh, test and understand the difference between that which is temporal, that which is for now, that which will all go up in fire and flame at the end, and that which is eternal, that which will make a difference, will last into eternity. Prove all things. Choose that which has eternal value. Abstain from that which has only temporal value. Choosing Life is choosing those things which have eternal value. Does that mean we don't drive a car because we know it's going to be a rust heap in ten years? No, not necessarily. But it does mean I don't make that car my idol because it's only going to be a rust heap in ten years. It does mean I don't... Uh, 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 yeah, I don't... I, it's, I don't let it be anything precious to me. It's just a means of transportation. And I get in it, I go where I want to go, and I get out. You know. So, choose, choose that which has eternal value. <clears throat> we live in a very temporal world. It will be here for a short time, and then it will be gone. How does it say that saying go? Only one life to live. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Eternal versus temporal. All right. <clears throat> like to uh, conclude our thoughts with verse 23 here. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who, that calleth you who also will do it. You know, as we, we are given choices. You know, God gives us choices. Uh, just like uh, that night when the Indians surrounded that uh, family's house. The father faced a choice. And a very difficult one in many ways. And yet, it seems like he was so rooted in his faith in God that it wasn't difficult for him. 
He was solid. He was sure. But we face choices in life. And uh, when we choose God, when we choose God's way, as these uh, scriptures give us here, just some various uh, exhortations as God's people in choosing God's way to live our life. When we do that, God engages to help us. It says here, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now we have God kicking in and, and focusing His resources upon you because you have chosen His way. Like it says in verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He will sanctify you wholly. I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful exhortation and a beautiful uh, 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 comforting uh, encouragement there at the end. That uh, when we choose God's way, God engages us to engages to help us accomplish our choice. It's not a matter of of uh, somehow mustering up all of our own strength to do this. But it's when we choose God's way, then all of heaven engages to help us accomplish that choice. What a blessing. He will uh, enable us. And uh, let's, uh, let's be like Moses and choose life. Choose life. If we're able, let's stand again and we'll just close with another word of prayer. Father, thank you again. Thank you for your word. Thank you for each one present here. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that quickens your word to our hearts. And today again, we ask that you would kindly minister to each of our hearts here today. Just taking us on in our experience, in our love, and in our life with you. Father, make us, shape us, mold us into your image that we might be what you designed and desire us to be here upon earth in this day and in this generation. Father, thank you for each one here and their testimony of Jesus that is in their lives. Lord, if someone has not yet made that choice to make Christ Lord of all, I do pray that your spirit would continue to call Lord, we recognize that it's not a matter of us just coming when we want to, but we need your Spirit to prompt us, to convict us, to call us to yourself. And we pray, would you grant that mercy of your Spirit in the life of anyone who may not yet know you as their personal Lord and Savior, who may not have surrendered their will to your will. Father, bless them with the beautiful conviction of your Spirit. And Lord, be with us as we continue to follow you, to walk with you, to endeavor to be what you desire us to be, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.